Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. From the Citizens Bank studio right here in on Biloxi's Back Bay. Uh, I'm working from my house doing this show, and I love it. And uh, I love celebrating the people who are working so hard to make Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. And I'm thrilled to have Citizens Bank as the sponsor of the studio. Uh, they're also a great citizen in the community as well. Um, listen, I have had the opportunity over the past uh, several weeks, actually, to, uh, to, to run into my friend and spend time with my friend, Dr. Joe Paul, from the University of Southern Mississippi, the, the president there. And instead of giving you a bunch of speeches and sharing a bunch of uh, quotes with you to start this show. We got a lot to talk about today. I thought I'd invite my friend Joe Paul back into the conversation. And first of all, just say good morning to you. How you doing, my friend? Doing great. Good morning. It's good. It's, it's, it's really, it's really good. I can go fishing this afternoon. We, hey, man, the fishing in coastal Mississippi right now is really, really good. Hey, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, so Jordan and his kids were over here over the weekend. And Jordan said, you know, I was going to make some, uh, smoke some chicken thighs. And he said, Dad, you know what we got to do? We're going to, we're going to fry some okra outside. Since we have the grease, why don't I go grab some, some shrimp real quick? And let's butterfly some shrimp. So he took the kids down to the end of the pier. They threw the net for about 30 minutes and came back up with some of the shrimp. Joe Paul, I'm not kidding you, were as big as my hand. Oh my goodness! And, you know, I, I, I joked on my outdoor show that you could you could butterfly ten of them, and feed a family. So <laughs> so we did. We we I was I was cleaning shrimp that were still moving. <laughs> so, uh, but that's life on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And what that what that is a symbol of is that the salinity levels are pretty high in, down here right now. And when the salinity high is high like this, not having rain, the water's super clear. Uh, the fishing's really really good. It's really good. Uh, um, so your, your folks down at the Gulf Coast Research Lab be quick to point out that this is a great you know scenario for the backwaters of coastal Mississippi, wouldn't they? Yes, absolutely. So listen, the last time you and I talked, um, I want to remind people of this because you're only as good as your last performance. We all know that, whether it's in life or running a business or running a university or in sports. But the last time you and I met, uh, Southern Miss had just beat Auburn in the in, in baseball in the regionals. We, we were uh, hoping that Southern Miss would, uh, would, in fact, host a super regional against the University of Tennessee. As it turned out, that's exactly what you guys did. We, we got to see a team that was tough, that was resilient, that was, um, you know, had had to face a bunch of adversity during the season and bounce back. Coach Barry, you know, did a, such a fine job leading that team. It was really a Southern Miss team, and you talked about the grit of the team and so so on. But, you know, 64 years baseball, only four head coaches. What a great story that is. And you, you've aspired that that's what we want to see on the baseball, I mean, the football side as well. It's been a struggle on the football side, but I know we'll end up getting through that. But um, you can't win them all in every sport every time, can you? Well, unfortunately, you cannot, you know, 
Um, but we also know that for us, you know, the just the nature of who we are and the nature of who our fans are, we've got to be uncommonly successful in football and basketball and baseball. Um, people may not recall that in his third season, I think Jeff Bauer had a step back. And, uh, and, and I can tell you the president's job is a lot easier when the football team's winning. So <laughs> it's a year, but got great leadership in Jeremy McLean and, and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to get to where we need to go, Ricky. I, I know, I know you you will, and I know you're driven to to get there. Hey, listen, uh, my family and I really enjoyed uh, being on campus for for homecoming. Uh, it's been a while since we've actually been on campus for a football game, uh, but the uh, but the 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 common area you guys have for for celebrating prior to the prior to the game, I love the way that's done. It feels right. The way uh, you know you don't have the the hum of these uh, generators all over the place anymore because you guys have you know planned for that. There are plugs you know that are convenient for people who are setting up. But it's got to you got to be thrilled that 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 sort of that the heart of the campus that that part is really starting to evolve properly. Yeah, it really is. So you know when I was in school, there was an old building named Scott Hall where you're talking about. In fact, that's where I lived as a freshman. But now it's a beautiful um, Spirit Park. A beautiful green area with a really nice stage. That those funds were raised by our alumni association under the able leadership of Jerry DeFata, and to have live music out there. The tailgating is getting more and more sophisticated, and you know we've got a, a legitimate D1 game day experience, and and that means a whole lot. You know that's the second most important thing to winning, <laughs> kind of, a, of an atmosphere. So it's it is. A, a point of pride for sure. It is it, my my uh, my brother-in-law Peter Bohanovich and his uh, his alumni friends. They they set up every year and uh, every game and. They do it right, man. I mean, they're cooking fresh, you know, fresh seafood, and they got the they got the spread. <clears throat> In fact, while we were there, uh, the the uh, Governor Reeves came through and enjoyed some of the some of the food as well. But you know, walking around and kind of taking it all in. But it's a beautiful day, beautiful weather, and um, you know, Southern Miss is you know trying to pick it up and take it to the next level. But gosh, it, you know, football. It, I mean, it just it is the reality. It 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 football and and with the transfer portal and NIL and all these new challenges. Um, so, you know, the fact that South Alabama, I mean, South Alabama, I watched it evolve, evolve while I was over in Alabama, um, knowing that when it started a, a football program, it's going to create another competitor for players. But, you know, we just have to learn to operate in that, that reality, don't we? Oh, there's no doubt about it. And, and we are and we will. And, you know, on the good news side, the college football playoff expands next year to 12 teams. And whether they're five power conferences or four, the highest rated group of five, we call it the non-power conference, you know, the highest rated football uh, conference, their champion goes to the college football playoff. So last year, and at this point this year, the Sun Belt would be that conference. So it would have been Troy last year, it would be whoever it is this year. So what, what we gotta do at Southern Miss, we gotta win this conference. Uh, that uh, and that's you know that's that's achievable, and and with it, if you get to the college football playoff, it's a game changer for years and years to come, right? Well, we can hang. We we know we can hang because we're watching our other sports do 
yeah. really well representing. And, um, you know, it, it will come with football as well. Let's shift gears for a second. I, I tell you, you know, you and I have not talked. Well, I think we actually did have one quick conversation. I think you were in Washington, in fact, when we had that quick conversation. So there is has been at least one time we visited since our initial uh, uh, conversation. But you were still the interim. And I was, uh, you know, I was kind of leading an effort down here, drop the drop the uh, the interim hashtag, drop the interim. And I was so proud of you for for getting selected. I was I was actually very very happy that the college board uh, took really de- decisive action. You had so much great uh, experience. You were the man for the job. And by all measure, everyone that I talked to say that you're hitting the ground running. But man, there's a lot to there's a lot to worry about. Academic affairs, student affairs, financial management, institutional governance, working with the board of trustees, for example, community engagement, facilities and infrastructure, external relations, strategic planning. There's a lot to think about when you're when you're a. Um, uh, I mean, how, how many how many employees? Two thousand, you said? Yeah, just under two thousand. I mean, it's it's a big organization, right? You know, an annual budget over $300 million, $100 million of externally funded research coming in. Um, and, and, and it's a unique business, right? Because it's not private. It's not for profit. Um, and, and, you know, the, the heart of what we do, obviously, is the academic programming. And that really, you know, comes from the faculty with leadership. As to as to where we're going, so it's uh, there's never um, a day without a talent. But at the same time, you know what what an opportunity it is. It really is. And ironically, the the size organization I led was about that big too. So it's uh, I, I know what that's like to say grace over. And you got you've got a private segment to it where you you're really trying to collaborate with business and industry and other businesses so that or other other stakeholders in the employment sectors so that yes. you can make sure that what you're doing applies. There's a governmental part of that which is a lot of heavy duty work that has to be done there. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of stakeholders, but let's let's start with the most important thing, because academic affairs, you know, the curriculum and the development of the curriculum and the recruitment of, of faculty and retention and development of faculty and the, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, at the core of what we do at, and at what you do in a university is academic, and uh, kind of give me the latest in, in that world. Well, uh, you know, the, the good news is since we last visited, I've got my entire top team together. And, uh, you know, the person that heads up academic affairs, the provost and the chief academic officer, Dr. Lance Nail, who had been with us as a dean of business about 12 years ago and, uh, and had worked at Texas Tech, San Diego, UT System, and now he's back. And so he's given great leadership to it. And, uh, hey, let's do let's do this. We'll pick it up right there. I actually uh, got to see him down here on the coast at one of your receptions, and he remembered me, and we had a great visit. And it's great to see him come back. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we get back on the other side. But we're visiting with Joe, uh, President Joe Paul from the University of Southern Mississippi. We'll see you when we get back.
passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. We're visiting with Dr. Joe Paul, uh, my friend from the. He's the president of the University of Southern Mississippi. When we went to break, we we're talking about the. I mean, as a university, you're always going to be focused on academic excellence and building the strongest team you can. And what he was pointing out to us when we went to break is he sort of rounded out his team with a really important rehire. Uh, why don't you pick it up from there? Sure. I was talking about Dr. Lance now, who's our, our provost, and and uh, he is a high energy individual, very data driven, and it, you know, in, in this day and time, when it comes to um, academic programming and where you invest your money for growth, you know, it's very much market driven. Uh, you know, we're not in a position to have you know programs that are not enro- that that don't hold enrollment, and and a part of what I have been talking about here and really introduced in my inaugural address is that I want us at Southern Miss to be distinctive, not to aspire to be like some other university, some other even research one university, because among those 147 schools, we are decidedly different. So I'm saying dare to be distinctive, dare to be better. And a big thrust of that is in our academic programming, our co-curricular programming, our student life, let's create graduates who are ready for life, ready to make a great living and live an extraordinary life. And so that has implications for ratcheting up what we already do well. So our computer science and engineering school director needs to be talking to folks in Huntsville and at Keesler and on the Mississippi Gulf Coast about what do you need in your graduates that you're not getting? And how can we uniquely do that? I think we're nimble enough to, to be ahead of the game in that. And you know that can be true in any endeavor. And and in addition to vocational readiness, you know, to me, it's just how can we create graduates who are ready to be responsible citizens? So that might be teaching them skills of discernment. You know, we're in a crazy media age, as you so well know, Ricky, where you can turn one channel and get one version of the truth and another get the other. But why couldn't we discern, help our students understand how to discern truth in that kind of crazy world and be responsible citizens? So I'm dead serious about that. What we're going to do at Southern Miss is create graduates that are ready for life. It has implications in every academic program and what we do outside of the classroom with our students. Well, essentially what you're saying is that to be an effective university, to be a successful university, you got to be always focused on being relevant. And the world is changing so rapidly. You talked about media, for example. Um, what's happened just in the data analytics side of things has literally exploded. Uh, it, it started with something as simple as like Amazon figuring out how to use data to, to you know, get, make the shipping process go faster and better, and uh, to to be able to identify customers better. And then Facebook started to use it and other digital media companies started to use it to gather tons of data on us because they have access to that when you agreed to use their their apps and their sites. And then it's really exploded into artificial intelligence now. And I have a friend of mine actually whose son is really young and he's making like $250,000 a year, Joe Paul, j- just doing data analytics. He's, just, he's really good at it. 
But that's just like one small example of the evolution that's occurring so rapidly. I mean, at light speed, things are changing so dramatically. And if you're not turning on the dime with those changes, you, your, your research and innovation efforts are going to be uh, subpar. Your academic programs are not going to fit what the needs are in the market. I mean, you got to be aware, don't you? Absolutely. And, and you know, when you speak about data analytics or what, what some would call big data analytics, um, you know, when I talk to CEOs, that's a, one of the number one things they're looking for, for in graduates. And so we're going to have an emphasis of college of business and in information technology on that. But even for running this organization, right? We've got right. analytics now that tell us the profiles of students in high schools that are the best fit for us. Um, we, we've got all, all, all kinds of information at our hands. And, you know, one of the great things, you, you know, when, when I build a team, I want people to have strengths that I know, right? And so I understand data analytics, big data analytics like this, it works really well. Uh, but but Lance Nail, Dr. Christy Motter, our new VP for Enrollment Student Affairs, are data-driven, out on the edge of it, understand it, and we're going to use that to our advantage. Well, you can do you can do it, and it can like run the entire gamut of what your responsibilities are from from. Uh, from how you communicate with students to the kind of programs that you have, the, to even to your marketing efforts, because it can, all these dots can connect, and you can literally get a scorecard back to say, okay, how are we doing? I mean, are we are we hitting the mark? Do we need to make adjustments? And uh, I'm assuming you're that's what you mean when you're someone's a data nerd. That's the kind of information they're looking for because they they ultimately understand Absolutely. that what gets measured gets done, and that's kind of where you guys are, isn't it? It, it absolutely is. So we'll get in. We'll get into strategic planning last because we can then sort of talk about the coast and how it fits in and all that. But you know, the next big, the next big heading is student affairs. I mean, you, again, you have to be relevant. The course offerings have to be relevant, but then you're, you have to have student recruitment and enrollment efforts that connect the dots on all of that, and um, and then you got to retain your students. And then you, you know, I mean, the list just goes on and on. Campus life, as you and I talked about a few minutes ago, super important. Um, talk about how student affairs sort of occupies your, your day these days. Yeah, well, absolutely. And as you well know, I only spent 40 years in that arena. But I can tell you that, that, that we're on a crusade to change. You know, when I started in that profession, most of student life was just, how can we create activities for our students to have fun? We still do that. Students are pretty good at having fun on their own, though, as well. So what we're really looking at now is how can the co-curricular uh, add to the student's life experience so that they're ready for life when they leave. So, leave. And so, so my thrust is that we're going to have a student life program that's second to none. And what we're asking for is for students to come here and put a hand on the wheel, get involved in some way, shape, or form in a leadership position, either formally or informally, right? And make Southern Miss better because you are there. Students that do that create an affinity, they create memories, they create skills that last them for a lifetime. And, you know, it's, it's a tough time in student life. You've got um, students coming out of COVID who, who, who don't have the, some of the skills and expectations that they had before they missed a couple of years. Uh, mental health crises are on the rise. Uh, uh, the cost of education is 
staggering to many families. And so it's a complex area. You know, we've got beautiful residence halls, great programming, uh, lots of opportunities for students to lead. But, but I want our student life to be uh, something that not only occupies students, but teaches them life lessons that they can take with them. And I think at its best that we've always done a really good job at that. You did it. You did a really good job of sort of talking about the challenges around student affairs these days. And you're right. You were you 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 wrote the book on it for 40 years. That's for sure. I'd add to that social media and the 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 role that social media plays in the life of students today. I mean, it. it, it it makes it more complicated, adds to sort of some of the psychological challenges as well. Uh, we talk about that on this show a lot. But one of the things I did while I was on campus the other day is I, I walked around. And gosh, man, I mean, I can't tell you how many young students I saw aiming the camera at themselves. And the it just the role of social media. Uh, that can be good. That can be terrible. But it certainly does factor in, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And, you know, the, the reality is it just is, right? I, know. I think it's first it can reverse that. So what can we do? Well, we can think about what is what is not happening? What are students not learning because of the amount of time and energy and preoccupation of social media? And so, so I really see, you know, traditionally we would start teaching students how to get a job uh, during their senior year. Mm -hmm. But have to start introducing things like interview skills, um, you know, uh, protocols, uh, just, you know, small group skills, public speaking skills, you know, much earlier in the co-curricular experience than the last year. And you and you probably are, you sort of alluded to this, but the whole notion of student health and wellness, yeah. you know, those services, you got to be keen to understand where the, where the stress points are and make sure students are aware that these services are available to them if they need it. Because what we see, you know, everyone's going through something and what they are projecting is oftentimes not at all what really is going on inside them. And it just makes, it makes, again, it's just one more component of student affairs, but it's really important though, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. And, and so the good news is that uh, post-COVID, students are far more likely to present saying, I need some help. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and, and I think a lot of it is because so many saw or there was so much proactive help during that period of time. Uh, the challenge of that is it stresses the resources. So, you know, we're going to have to grow uh, the size of our student counseling staff. You know, we've got trained master's level uh, counseling psychologists, and we're just going to have to add one or two every year uh, to keep up with the demand. Listen, we're having a conversation with Dr. Joe Paul, the president of the University of Southern Mississippi, and we're just sort of walking through some headlines for what a university president has to think about these days. He alluded to the massive budget, the financial management that's required, the tuition fee structures, and how that's changed over time. There's a lot more to it than that. When we come back on the other side, we'll kind of break that part down. We'll see you after this break.
reminding you why we all love living in Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank uh, studio. I have Dr. Joe Paul from the University of Southern Mississippi with us today. And we're actually just kind of going through a long list of things a university president has to think about. And when I when I went to break, we were talking about sort of the financial management side of things. When you've got a budget of around $300 million, that requires tremendous budgeting and allocation and making tough decisions and investing in things you didn't think about. And you got to have fundraising activities. You got to be thinking about the long term and endowment management efforts and you got grant and research. And by the way, if you're not relevant, which we were talking about during the first segment, if you're not relevant, you don't get grants and you're not able to do research. So you got to be relevant about what's happening. But it all kind of centers around ultimately the tuition and fee structures that students have to pay. And that whole world has changed dramatically where the state of Mississippi used to be paying a, a large portion. That number has dwindled and more has to come from operations these days. That's just the reality of running a university anymore, just about anywhere in the United States for that matter. It absolutely is. You know, when I began in this uh, profession, about 20% of the cost of educating the student came from their tuition and 80% from state appropriations. Uh, fast forward to today, and you can literally flip that. So that 80% is coming from the tuition and 20% from the state appropriations. And, and that's not to say that the state is depriving us. And, you know, the, it's, a, it's a different value proposition these days as well. So, you know, the two things that if I didn't sleep well at night, and I do, that would be up are just kind of polar ends of, of, of this situation. One is that we've got to stay competitive in faculty pay, that, that, that faculty are mobile, uh, the best are going to be recruited, so we've got to stay competitive in, in faculty pay. But the other thing that would keep me up is that we can't put the cost of education out of the reach of our students and their families in Mississippi and in our region. And so if you think about those two, right, they kind of don't fit. And, and so, you know, the formula is complicated, but the, the, the core of it is for us that is that we've got to be more efficient, right? And then we've got to grow enrollment. I mean, that's how we keep tuition uh, affordable and how we pair faculty what they need to, to, to do what they're doing and to thrive. And Joe Paul, in the later part of my career, I spent a lot of time in, in helping the newspaper industry do the evolution to a more digital media uh, business. And really tough decisions have to be made. I mean, really, really tough decisions have to be made. And this is true for any business that's 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 thinking strategically. And it, it, what it, it, I often said that it might be better to have less higher paid employees than more lesser paid employees. Because under the second situation, you're going to have a lot of turnover and acquisition costs and whatever. But, but you know, when you're talking about resource allocation and being more efficient and all those things, you have to make tough decisions along the way, don't you? Sometimes you can't offer, you can't be everything to everybody. That's part of what strategic planning is all about, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can't. And, you know, in because of our accreditation, you know, every university in the country is involved in strategic planning. In, in fact, it's the Southern Association of College and Schools, Schools Council on Colleges. So we're in the midst of, of that. But 
But, you know, that process is a sort of a standard five-year process. And, you know, in today's world, you really need to be more nimble than thinking five years out. And so on top of that process, which is going on now, you know, we, we get really clear on, on what we need to be doing right now. And we have action meetings with the top team to talk about growing enrollment, um, uh, uh, getting the right mix of, of course offerings on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, uh, maintaining our R1 research status. Uh, and you know, a big part of it for me is private fundraising. So when you think about the cost and the need, you know, there are two kinds of scholarships we can give students. Institutional scholarships, which come from our operating budget, one would call it a discount if we were in retail, or privately endowed scholarships, which recruit students, which really is also mainlining the full tuition revenue in, in into the university's coffers. And so I've launched a $30 million endowment campaign for leadership scholarships, and we're already about a tenth of the way there. And, and that's going to be a big part of what occupies my time over the next several years as well. And that's on the heels of a very successful capital fundraising campaign. Yeah, we were, we were just so thrilled. So in March of 22, we announced the public phase of Give Wing, $150 million capital campaign. And the goal and the plan was to reach that by 2025. And so just literally days before my inauguration, which was the Thursday before homecoming, uh, we received a, an anonymous gift that I'd been working on for $6 million and it pushed us over the top. So we've raised $156 million in that capital campaign uh, in, in a very short period of time. And so we're going to celebrate and then we're going to pivot. And part of that pivot is going to be around recruiting scholarships right that gets people here and keeps them here another big part is we really need a life science research center on the Hattiesburg campus biology biochemistry we've got great facilities for ocean science and engineering all of that that's going on on the coast we've got great polymer science and engineering but that's a need and that's going to be an expensive building so there'll be a private part of that as well as if that's not enough, <laughs> you've got you've got a lot of institutional governance that you have to stay uh, focused on. That would sort of put this under the heading of lots of stakeholders. You got a board of trustees. You got to stay in touch with them. You've got policy development and implementation because there's always something new. I mean, I, I as a CEO, I, it seemed like every day something new came up, and we had to say, "Uh oh, we better we better think about how we're going to do this." And if we don't, we're gonna we're gonna be caught in some point soon in a bad situation. You sort of got the the legal and regulatory aspect of what you do. You've got institutional risk management because of all of that, and then you've got you know faculty and staff governance, which you know you talked about pays a big time importance to you. But the fact there's a whole institution around just the faculty and staff govern, governance, isn't there? Oh, there absolutely is, and and you know, um, you know. Comply. Let's just take federal compliance. You know, I mean, the biggest source of revenue to this and most universities, federal financial aid. And, and you don't mess up there, you, you're going to get yourself in, in trouble really quickly. So on the state front, the board front, um, the accreditation front and the federal government front, there's all kinds of things to be taken into account. And you talked about risk management and attorneys, you know, literally in the early 80s, there was one attorney in the IHL office who was a special assistant attorney general that met 
met the legal needs of all eight institutions. Now we've got a, a university council staff that has at least three attorneys, Title IX, you know, just, and, and, and they stay up to their ears. So compliance, uh, litigation, you name it. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot there. Um, around community engagement, I had the pleasure of joining you and a long list of community leaders recently at the chapel at Centennial Park at one of many receptions in your honor um, as as you, you know, become officially the, the president of the University of Southern Mississippi. But I was thrilled at the level of engagement of the people that were there and and who was there. I mean, you're talking about some of the most important leaders in coastal Mississippi and the fact that you and your team put a stake in the dirt around the around the, the role the Gulf Coast campus is going to play and the outreach that's going to take place there. Um, you, you're really determined to figure it out, aren't you? Absolutely. And that was a great event. And thanks to Anthony Wilson with Mississippi Power, uh, Tommy and Jim Duff, and then also the Gulf Coast Business Council and Jamie Miller. That was, uh, those were the players that need to hear the message. And so the message is that we're going to provide academic, coastal academic programs that meet the need of employers along the six coastal counties for coastal people, for coastal jobs. And, you know, I've got my, my new provost down there as much as he's here, getting in front of CEOs now one-on-one. Uh, and there's been a lot of follow-up to that. So yeah, it was, it was a great kind of kickoff to where we're going. Well, you're, you're a master at it, and uh, it really plays to all your strength when you do that type of reach, that, that type of reaching out. Something that every university president has to think about is uh, facilities infrastructure. One of the things that's driving your $30 million campaign that you just mentioned is that there's, man, if you if you were to like take the list of needs that you have, where you would like to see the campus evolve, it's a long list, isn't it? Well, it, it always is a long list. And, you know, the, the hidden part of the iceberg, right, is deferred maintenance. Uh, you know, we've got facilities here that are 100 years old and even ones that are 20 year old that, that need a lot of repair. So you, you're always sort of chasing that wagon, right? but you've got to do all you, all you can do when you can do it. And you've got to have priorities to it, right? So. And then, you, of course, underneath that is technology, which is constantly changing. You know, the biggest expense we had on an annual basis in the companies that I managed was it was all technology, the technology we needed to provide all of our employees with the tools they needed to be able to hang with all the changes that are happening on the technology realm. When we come back on the other side, we'll continue our conversation. I want to I get the latest on the strategic planning efforts that are underway and, uh, and see what other thoughts Joe Paul has. We'll see you after this break. Matthew show on Super Talk Mississippi. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizen Bank uh, studio. I have my friend Dr. Joe Paul, the president of the University of Southern Mississippi. And I had the opportunity to meet and, and get to know his wife, Meg, recently and, and, and to discover, I guess I knew this, but I just forgot about it, that my son Jordan was in the fraternity with his son Daniel, who works in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I had a chance to get to know Daniel. And I'm not kidding you, Joe Paul. If I were still in business, I'd be trying to figure out how to hire Daniel because he is a sharp, sharp young man. You have to be super proud. Oh, yeah. Dan- Daniel is doing very well in his profession. He does disaster recovery work with the Horn Business Advisors. Uh, Jordan Matthews recruited him to PICAP. So uh, uh, they, they go way back. And and your crew is pretty fine as well. We've enjoyed well, well, thank you. And your wife, Meg, seems like the perfect partner on this presidential journey. Oh, yeah. She is cool, calm, and collected. And, <laughs> you know, so I'm she, blessed. She, she really is. Hey, so you think about, you know, when you came in, you had to immediately hit the run, the, the, the road uh, running fast, thinking about, uh, you know, being able to communicate a clear, a clear vision, being able to at least prioritize what the initial strategic priorities are going to be. But obviously still a lot of listening to do when, while you're engaging the stakeholders, a lot of ass, assessing of the resources. Uh, building your team, there's a lot to do there, but you had to hit the ground running with a vision, though, didn't you? Absolutely. I mean, we just can't wait. I mean, the process is important, and 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 maybe some things for your viewers to understand too is that one of the things that's distinctive about this kind of organization, higher ed, is the principle of shared governance. So everybody gets a say. All right. And so in our strategic planning process, we we now have committees that are working in the major areas, which you've already alluded to. Uh, Academic affairs, research, student life, enrollment, uh, finance and facilities and external relations. So I got all kind of folks working on that. But, you know, the, the core vision, I think, still has to come from, you know, the institutional executive officer. And for us, it's just so crystal clear that it's about growing. It's about being distinctive, about being a bit of a unicorn, about having in all we do some intentionality around our graduates being ready for life. Um, that, that, you know, I know you can't always talk things into being, but a big role of a college president is to talk things into being. Right. Talking at all, every chance I get to the detriment of, of my Local well, it's a, it's it's a essentially willing your vision into fruition. You have to will it into fruition, and the way to do that is you can't do it any other way. When someone's heard it for the tenth time, or the twentieth time, or the thirtieth time, or the fiftieth time, some others are just hearing it for the first time. And you have so many stakeholders and so many constituencies that you have to be in touch with. It just repetition is the key. But see, again, you knew that. I mean, this is drawn from what was sort of one of your core attributes as a leader in your 40 years of working in student services. You knew that you had to communicate early and often and constantly. And you're just doing it. You're doing that same thing at a higher level now. But it's, it's very comparable, though, isn't it? It is. It absolutely is. So, 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 so what were you going to say? Go ahead. I was just say I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy going to the Capitol in January and talking to legislators 
every time I can get their ear, talking to our alums, talking to the business community, talking to our students, talking to high school leaders and high school students. And, and I believe in, I believe in what we have. And so it makes it easy. Listen, in the old days when the old business culture was there, people would join a company that worked there their entire career. They'd get a big fat retirement at the end. Your success was determined by your seniority and your loyalty to the company and all. Boy, that world is gone, man. That world does not exist anymore. So, you know, you could talk about connecting with the business community back in those days, and it was a lot of show. Because companies were kind of solid, they had they had their their they weren't super innovative. But, you know, they they were successful, but that's just the way it was. The world is changing so rapidly today, and if you were to talk to business leaders today across coastal Mississippi or anywhere in the United States for that matter, what you will learn from them is that they are dying for employees that can do the work that they need them to do. They need that. So when you have that conversation on the coast, when you talk to the business community at your reception, they're all ears. And they're 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 going to give you a tremendous amount of feedback about what their needs are and how you can meet their needs. That's not just going through the motions. That part is real, isn't it? It is absolutely real. I mean, you just think about the research enterprise we have across the, the Gulf Coast. And I think you were were there with us when Ocean Arrow did their formal opening of their new building. They would not be in, in the port of Gulfport, but for the research of the University of Southern Mississippi. And so you know, real world solutions, right? Taking uh, discovery to innovation, to economic development is all a part of who we should be, right? And yes, when, you know, in, a, in you know, years past, maybe you talk to CEO, it's just about making nice, good PR, investing for money. But now they're saying, I need this, I need that, I need this. It's our job to deliver. The rubber is hitting the, the road. The rubber is hitting the road. That's why Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College has 50, over 50% 50 of their employees, excuse me, students involved in non-traditional education. You're headed, you're headed there. And it's great to see the connection to the community. And I'm proud of you, my friend. I'm glad to see you in this position. It's great for Mississippi to have you there. It's been a pleasure to catch up with you. Well, I appreciate you, my good friend. You did a good job of predicting this a year ago. And, uh, and, uh, I'm going to work hard every day stacking bricks for Southern Miss. Oh, you bet, man. You bet. Southern Miss to the top for sure. This has been Dr. Joe Paul from the Southern University of Southern Mississippi. Have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. All right. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.